and thank you for joining us on The Light Inside. I am your host, soulful business and leadership coach, Jeffrey B. Secker. Joining us this week for part two of this discussion of The Masks We Wear is voice dialogue and shadow alchemist, Megan Fisher. Happiness is an inside job. A job we shouldn't assign to anyone else but our true self. Today we look at how we call up those shadowy, repetitive thoughts that often can swirl around in our heads, leading us to sabotage our best intentions, keeping us from reaching our light inside and blocking our ability to truly shine. Tune in to find out how we finally remove those masks that we wear on this episode of The Light Inside. Today, I'd like to take a moment to tell you about a project that is connecting with others in a super meaningful way. The Borgen Project is fighting for the underdog with their mission to address poverty. As one of the most powerful nations on earth, our leaders in the United States can and should be doing more. The Borgen Project's innovative national campaign is working to make poverty a focus of U.S. foreign policy. Did you know worldwide, 736 million people live in extreme poverty. About half of the world's poor, around 368 million, live in just five countries. In developing regions, one in 10 people live on less than $1.90 a day. That's just $1.90 a day. An estimated 2.5 billion people lack access to improved and safe sanitation. One billion people live without electricity and hundreds of millions more live with unreliable or expensive power. Poverty is the principal cause of global world hunger. As of 2018, 822 million people are struggling with hunger worldwide. That's one in nine people. Over two billion people lack regular access to safe, nutritious, and sufficient food. And 785 million people drink unsafe water or have to travel more than 30 minutes just to get a drink. By focusing on mobilization of people, educating others on the devastating effects of poverty and hunger, and building awareness of the ever-increasing global issue, you can become a force to help bring about the necessary changes. The Borgen Project is an incredible nonprofit organization. In a nutshell, the organization is doing amazing work to fight extreme poverty and hunger. If you'd like to become a powerful agent joining in the fight, visit BorgenProject.org. That's B-O-R-G-E-N Project.org today to find out how you can take action now in helping to end the global fight on hunger and poverty. Last week, we started a conversation discussing what psychologist Carl Jung identified as simply the shadow. 
that dark area in the playground of our subconscious mind that so often sabotages our best intentions. We started to explore how those unconscious aspects of our personality often become parts of the ego we hide behind, keeping us from aligning with our truest selves and preventing us from being our best. This week, we take the conversation to an even deeper level of understanding in part two of this discussion with voice dialogue facilitator, Megan Fisher. Hello, Megan. How are you? Hi there. I'm well. How are you, Jeff? Fantastic. Fantastic. I am stoked for this. <laughs> I actually feel like I called this in because I was like, I haven't done a podcast in a while. I'd really like to do a podcast. And then you reached out. Yeah. And then I took a look at your page and I was like, oh, this is so aligned. I'd love to talk with you. Fantastic. Yeah, it, it's so ironic because there are so many great connections and I'll reveal some of those to you. We have family living all over Colorado. Denver is kind of like a second home of sorts to us. I have a, a great affinity for Colorado. So there's a connection there. We've been Watching what you've been doing, my fiance and I, with the Chronicles of the Sasquatch. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. amazing approach. Working within a lot of different creative elements there in Denver. Our sister-in-law, or my sister-in-law would be my fiance's sister, is stationed in Denver and they have an outpost office there in Denver. They interact a great deal within the creative community in Denver also. So that was neat seeing that project pop up. To me, that was the big draw. It's like, who is the Sasquatch? I've got to follow this journey because I know there is a brilliant ending to this story coming. So I applaud you on that. <laughs> Thank you so much for saying those words. That's so kind of you. Now, this has been a, a creative project. One just started as like medicine for myself and it is turned yes. into something that I did not see flourishing or maybe I did, but like now it's seeing it in fruition is like, it's really, really amazing. It's amazing. I can see that unfolding in your spirit. Just the way you light up when you connect with that shows me that that was such a, a journey of enlightenment for you. So namaste to you on that for discovering that light and finding that vision. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. That's what it was. And at one point, that's why the whole Sasquatch thing started was because I was so nervous to like show up and share truths yes. and Sasquatch really helped like bring that fire like alive in it in me so that when I was ready to show my face I'm like it's go time I'm ready to show up more full than I ever have before let's dive into that starting off today I'd like to just jump right in because I feel like we are so attuned with this I just started to complete another episode where we talked about the masks we wear and I had recorded that probably about two weeks before I reached out to connect with you. It's about two weeks before your reveal. Mm. And I'd been watching this journey and kind of relating that to that thought process and some additional thought process. We kind of tied that into how we all wrestled with this notion of having to wear the masks through COVID. So I was seeing like all of these alignments coming together as you spoke to. So this has finally come full circle also. And I see a lot of where we're going to go today also play into that. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Let's start off by introducing you. You are Megan Fisher, AKA the sassy Sasquatch at Chronicles of the Sasquatch. And I love that little play on the sass is S-A-S-S, -S -S, that sassy side of your being. We're going to get into that in a second. You are a voice dialogue facilitator and your program specializes in shadow alchemy. That's such a cool area to look at. And it can be such a unique perspective to dive into. 
Do you help change the way others relate to their inner narratives and transforming and aligning with their true inner self? Mm -hmm. Let's start by exploring this interesting and unique perspective you have in approaching your program with developing this character of the Sasquatch. Mm, yeah, this has been my baby that's just taken a vision that I didn't even see it coming. I didn't even see happening. And why this Sasquatch thing even started was because I became very aware of the inner narratives running in my head that it's almost like that inner critic. That's like, who are you to want to step out and change the world? Who are you to want to go and impact the world? Mm -hmm. And for a while, I was so identified with that voice that it played such a big role. Like I listened to it. When that voice spoke, I listened to it. And throughout my process, though, in the work that I do, it's disidentifying with those narratives so that they don't drive the bus of our life, essentially. Yes. <laughs> and for a while, my journey was, oh, let me meditate this part of myself away. Let me positive mm -hmm. affirmation all over it. And it wasn't working. And that's when I had this aha moment. And especially in voice dialogue, the work that I do is changing our relationship to those voices. Mm. How can I become friends with you? How can I transform you? How can I dance with you? And that's the approach that I took was how can I become <laughs> friends with this inner critic of mine and transform you into my power? And so I decided to become my inner critic, which I dubbed as my Sasquatch. And that was the very thing that freed me so that I could show up in a more full expression of myself. That's awesome. To me, it brings to mind when we were all children, we had oftentimes that image of the monster in the closet, that monster under the bed. Mm -hmm. How often did we ever think that if we make friends with this monster, it might be a new plaything. It might bring a new joy to our lives. Now, I know that's in a different kind of psychological sense, kind of a different, more imagined world sense. But, you know, we were looking at that idea of imagining who we can become today. So looking at that angle, how did creating that character lead you towards embracing this essential element of who you are and what you can become? Yeah, that's such a good question. And I love that analogy of the monster under the bed too. <laughs> it's so good. And if you think about it, the monster under the bed, the monster in our closet, the monster in our head, like it's just, it's all this creation that we've made in our head, like monster yes. under the bed. I don't even know if the monster's there or not, but to me, it's very real because I've created that in my head. And what I realized in voice dialogue, I speak to these different aspects of myself. I thought that that inner monster was trying to like keep me small and like ruin my life. Mm -hmm. But after I became curious about that voice of, wait, why are you actually here? I realized that my inner critic was so deathly afraid of judgment and didn't want to be weird, didn't want disconnection because in disconnection, that would inevitably, you know, mean that I'm alone. If no one's connecting with me, then I'm alone. And this like fear, at, like how much this monster inside of me wasn't actually trying to ruin my life. It was just so scared mm -hmm. with that new awareness of, oh my God, I see that you're scared now. How can I make you feel less scared? Because I really do want to step up and start sharing myself with the world. So what can I do to make you feel more safe? And that's when that inner critic, the inner monster was like, I promise you that if you honor me, you put a mask on, that I will take you where you want to go, not because you got rid of me, but because you used me as your fuel. And that's when I had the aha moment of, oh my God, these parts of ourselves, they're not trying to hold us back or keep us small. They're just 
so scared and that's why they're acting and running these narratives the way that they are. So just changing our relationship from judgment or shame to curiosity and how can I be your ally? That was the biggest game changer for me. And then that is what started the crux of my work because not a lot of people are dressing up as their shadows. There's a whole lot of talk about shadow work out there, which is amazing. <laughs> but I decided that I was yes, going to do yes. something in the very creative sense of, I'm going to show everyone before I come out and teach this, I'm going to show everyone how my work is done. And that's exactly what I did. To me, that takes great courage because you are making such a bold choice in owning that and taking responsibility and taking that direction. Let's shine some light on some of that inner shadow work. That became the Shadow Alchemy program you now have. You worked with a mentor, correct? To kind of find some of these identities within you, to work through some of these things within you. Let's start off by looking at that process and how that started with you. Yeah, so I had a spiritual awakening in March of 2016. And what I mean when I say spiritual awakening, I had an experience where I became separate from my thoughts and beliefs. I was the observer of them. And this separation occurs in that moment. And it happened for two hours. I was like, I realized that there was no concept of a woman named Megan anymore. I was hmm. one with everything. I was one with it all for two hours. And it was this beautiful experience that is very hard to put into words. But after I had this experience, my mind had been stretched to places I didn't even know existed. And in that, when my ego came back and all of my thoughts and beliefs, they came flooding right back. I realized I needed help on this journey. I couldn't do my next chapter of life. I needed somebody who had been where I'm trying to go. And I found my mentor, or I guess just synchronistically, we found each other. And I went on a three-year journey with him before Sasquatch was even created. I spent three years with him in the depths of my own shadow, talking to aspects of myself that were deeply ingrained, things that happened in childhood or experiences that I thought were so me as my personality and starting to separate aspects of my personality with my observer consciousness, mm. then the disidentification process happens. So now I can play with these parts of myself instead of being them and thinking I am these voices in my head. So it was this beautiful exploration of three years before the whole Sasquatch thing even birthed at all. That's awesome. Cause so often we look at those notions where we hear Theoretically, and sometimes very realistically from external sources within ourselves, including these voices we perceive that are telling us things like, I'm not good enough. I, you know, I'm not ready for this. I am not worthy. You know, any number of things that create those things within us that become a block. Yeah. We're looking at that Carl Jung notion of shadow including everything outside the light of consciousness, and it may be positive or a negative voice. Sometimes those positive voices can also become a shadow over us. My favorite thing is whatever we judge in other people, that is a shadow aspect of ourself that is calling to be integrated. Mm. Now, the flip side of that, whatever we overvalue in somebody else, that is a shadow. Some people call it the golden shadow, mm. but a lot of times I used to put people on pedestals and I was like, oh, they're so confident. That's where I want to go. But in that, I was overvaluing that in them. But if I can perceive that confidence in them, that's an aspect of myself that I have. It just may be resting in the shadows of my own psyche. Yeah. So I love that you just brought that up because sometimes shadows get um, just a miscommunication or a negative connotation of, oh, it must always be darkness. But no, that's that's where our power and our gifts lie too. 
And so I love that you brought that up because the golden shadow is just as important as the quote unquote darker aspects of ourselves. You know, so often that operates from our level of ego experience. You know, we think of ego in a lot of tainted ways often. You know, we think of it so much just as this self-drive, this self-thinking only about me approach. But there is so much we miss, I feel, in that equation. We look at that unconscious aspect of the personality that the conscious ego does not identify itself. Mm -hmm. There's an entity of consciousness, like an identity within us of how we see ourselves, how we see Mm -hmm. others. Everything of which a person is not fully conscious falls into that ego. In short, the shadow is our unknown Mm -hmm. side. That makes sense. It remains hidden until we bring it into awareness. How can we start to make some of these understandings to pull some of these things into our awareness from your perspective? The easiest way that if you don't have a coach or someone that you're intentionally working through, the easiest way to do this, anyone can do this, is go out into your world and just have awareness of just what you're perceiving in other people. Because other people are just being other people. Mm. How we perceive them is our perception. It's not reality. It's how we're perceiving other people or how they're acting or what we judge or dislike in them. For the beginning of my journey, um, I used to have a really loud judge and I would go out of anything that I would judge in another person. I would have a little notebook that I'd be like, okay, I'm so curious about this. I'm not even judging my judge. I'm curious because (laughs) whatever we don't accept in ourselves and is resting in our shadows, we project outward onto other people. And so that's what creates the experience of kind of like the world that we have today a little bit of things that we don't accept in ourselves, we're going to project outward and we're going to create it out there. Even though it's actually happening, it's our own unconscious creation of it. So the best way to do this, if you don't have a, a coach or you're not working through this is be really aware of when you go out into your world and what you're perceiving in other people. So a lot of times it's just unconscious projections that we're creating in what seems to be out there. So often there are times when we each can have a tendency to fluctuate between the self-knowing and confidently embrace in the grayer areas where certain things within us can leave us feeling out of alignment. You know, it surfaces as feelings uh, such as anxiety, confusion, frustration, or even anger if we choose to let that. How can we start to pull that awareness into the focus? Mm. So I have a favorite thing that I do in my shadow alchemy course. We're actually doing it right now currently, but it's this concept. It's called calling things into the space. And if you have awareness that there's a thought or you feel anxiety or whatever narrative that your mind's running, a lot of times when we think it may be more negative, oh, I can't share that with anyone, that the moment that we bring it into the space, not to be fixed, not for anyone else to do anything. And I'll give you an example. When I I used to run courses at the beginning of my courses, before I got more competent, I had this voice in my head that was like, you're not worthy to, oh, you're going to quit your job and you want to host events and bring women into circles. Like you're not worthy of that. Like, who are you? You don't have any professional training of that. That's not something that you can do. And so when I first had these women come into my group, if that was present in my space, 
I would call that up into the space and I would let everybody know that there's an aspect of me that doesn't think I'm worthy enough to be here right now. And I just wanted to bring that light of awareness and bring that narrative up into the space. And the more that we do that, these things dissipate because they were never ours to begin with. And all they really want is to be seen and witnessed. These aspects of ourselves just want to be seen and witnessed and brought into the light. And the more that we do that with love and compassion and just bring them up to be seen, they literally start dissipating. And this is my last time that I'm running shadow alchemy because my crap's not coming up anymore. I've brought up all my stuff in the space so many times that I'm like, I want to be growing. I'm not, I want to stretch because the, I'm not worthy. The, you can't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing this. Those narratives aren't running in my space anymore. So I know I can play your game because my stuff's not coming up anymore. So that's such a good way to start transmuting these parts of ourselves yeah. by bringing them up into the space. Like, by doing that, it's almost like, um, I love the analogy of like the Wizard of Oz, the great powerful Oz that like this huge head that's running this narrative that everyone's so scared of. But you see at one point when the curtain drops and it's a, a little man that's really sweaty and he's yeah. like trying to make this all work and he's been exposed that it's not this big powerful thing anymore that can run the land that it's actually a really scared little man that's sweating behind the curtains that's kind of like how our psyche works too of the moment that you bring it up into the light it's like oh okay you see me now like <laughs> oh I can't I can't run this narrative and control your life from the backgrounds anymore yes you know we all have that little monster that little scary monster inside of us that we feel just won't behave sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's looking at those ideals of basic psychoanalysis. We get scared of that word even sometimes, psychoanalysis. It's just basically drawing us towards levels of conscious awareness, being present with who and what we are, what's around us, and how we're forming our thoughts and feelings. Yeah. We're just... Being responsible for our own shit. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> we'll put it on today. Mm-hmm. We're just being responsible for our own shit. Responsibility is alignment. We have to bring those things into awareness. I love you bringing that. One of my favorite terms is radical responsibility. Yes. I take radical responsibility for my side of the street and the things, the programs and the conditioning and the repetitive thought patterns that are running in my head in whatever context that I'm in. And in that, I love to take radical responsibility for my side of the street. And that alleviates, that's changed my level of communication. Now, when I meet people and I used to blame or I wanted to project and blame other people, and now I take full responsibility and ownership for what's going on in my space and owning that. And my relationships have quite literally Mm. transformed from that. It's a really beautiful thing when you take radical responsibility for your life. It's so freeing in all areas of our life by taking that sense of authority, that sense of ownership. We make mountains out of simply owning what is already ours within. We already have these things. Mm -hmm. Make friends with that. As you said, dance with it. (laughs) Changing your relationship to these thought patterns, these conditions, these programs that come up and changing our relationship to it. As I can just speak from my personal experience for a while, I was always kind of aware of these thoughts, but I thought I can't tell anyone that I'm having this thought. Oh, so I kept it. Like I had shame that I had kept them so close to me, but it's Brene Brown that always says yes. our shame yes. grows in secrecy. So the more that we hold these things to ourselves, mm. the more they grow into huge monsters, not just these little monsters that we have, they grow into these huge monsters. And I had social anxiety. Yes. I couldn't be present with people just because of how much I was keeping to my myself and those repetitive patterns were just running loops in my head brings to mind 
that great Maurice Sendak book. This was always a favorite of mine as a kid. Are you familiar with Where the Wild Things Are? It's one of my favorite books ever. <laughs> yes, I had a feeling as I was doing research for today's program that that would have meaning to you. That was one of my favorite books as a kid because I could relate to some of those battles as a kid. Some of those things that come up where you say, hey, this is just a part of me. How do we align this? I love that. There's another great children's book. It's called There's No Such Thing as a Dragon. That is another amazing one Mm. that just perfectly illustrates how at the beginning of this book, this little boy has a little pet monster that comes in his room and he's like, mom, I have this little monster. And the mother's like, there is no such thing as a dragon. There are no such things. And he goes, okay, well, I guess you're not real. But this dragon, it goes with him everywhere and he keeps getting bigger and bigger. And he keeps being like, I think there's a dragon here. And everyone says, no, there's no such thing as a dragon. (laughs) But by the end of it, the dragon grew so big, it had grown legs outside of the house and the house started running around until somebody just acknowledged and saw that the dragon was there to begin with. And then all of a sudden the dragon was like, oh, you see me now. And he grew and he shrunk back to almost like, you know, lap size where it was something that now we can do something with this dragon, but it just wanted to be seen and witnessed in that. It's such a beautiful children's book. We all just want to be recognized for the person that we are. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. We all just want to be seen, heard, and understood for who we are. Mm. It's that awareness we tend so often to make the choice to repress from. Mm. You're running from that presence and ownership of it. It's in denial. Denial is not just a river in Egypt. (laughs) It's a place we so often visit in our minds. And I know that sounds very cheesy and cliche. You know, we have to balance it. Align it with not visiting that other town called Fuck it all. <laughs> that, that can be a not so fun place where we get to the point where we just say, fuck it all. You know, that's a very blunt way to look at it. But we have to find those balances. What are some of the things from your perspective with the program you do to help people realign your people and your tribe realign to find those repressed feelings and emotions, those repressed I'll spit it out here. Those repressed, I say I still can't get it, repressed places in our mind. And that's probably a Freudian thing in itself. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was so funny. <laughs> yeah, with my modality of voice dialogue, where literally we talk to different aspects of themselves. So I have the part of me that is judgmental sometimes. I have the part of me that's sad. I have the part of me that's confident. I have the part of me that is really aligned with my integrity. I have the part of me that's lazy sometimes. (laughs) And we speak to those different aspects. And all I do is I hold space and I ask them questions. And they channel in if that judge self only had one way of looking through life, which was judgment. They moved to that part of themselves and I asked them questions about that part of themselves so we can one, see and witness themselves. Like how you just said, all we want is to be seen and witnessed for exactly who we are. Well, different aspects of ourselves within ourselves, they want to be seen and witnessed exactly the same way. And so when we give voice and give spotlight and a microphone to these different aspects of ourselves, It's like we're shining a light on them. Oh my gosh, you're seeing me now. Oh, you want to hear my perspective and not judge me or tell me to be any different. You actually want to hear what my perspective is. These aspects of ourselves, they don't have as big of a hold or rein on us because 
we're giving light to them. Okay, I want to hear you now. Here's a microphone. And sometimes when we, you know, like, let's think about mm-hmm. even outside, people outside of ourselves. When we give them a microphone and we're like, okay, I want to hear your perspective and I'm not going to interrupt you. I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong or try to fix you. I just want to hear you. And after a while, when somebody just starts talking, because they're like, finally, I get to be heard that after a while, there's not much more to say because we've given them the space. Okay, I hear you. And then it's almost like, oh, okay, well, you heard me now. Thank you for hearing my perspective. And these aspects of ourselves, they start to release their grip and their hold on us because we're giving them that space to be. And so it's a very powerful work. And a lot of times there's deeper roots. And so there's ways to get to these shadow aspects of, we'll go with anger. Hey, let's talk with the angry self. Anger, if you weren't there to do your job, Jeff, what would you be left with? If anger wasn't there, what would be underneath of that? And a lot of times it's, well, I'm frightened. There's a part of me that would be so terrified and I don't want to sit with the fact that I'm terrified. So that's where anger comes in because anger is power. So we'll sit with anger for a while and then we go one level deeper. Well, I want to speak to the one that's afraid. And that's when we sit with aspects of ourselves that are afraid and just wanting love in, in a part of ourselves just to come and sit and be with them so that they're not so afraid anymore. And then when we get these more root foundational beliefs that the other parts that were acting as protection, they start to dissipate because there's nothing to protect from anymore. Does that make sense? Yes. We look at that notion back to Carl Jung. Carl Jung broke that down as kind of a pyramid stacking of all of these things within us that are weighing us down. It became an iceberg. We all essentially get to points where we feel like we have this iceberg of expectation just weighing on us. Mm-hmm. Shining that light back digging past all of those layers and saying, at my core, it's the light inside Mm -hmm. that I truly am. Why are we constantly rebelling and raging against our own light? That pops up in my head, the great Dylan Thomas quote, do not go gently into that good night. That good night is the shadows that we place there. We turn off our own switch. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Don't rage against the light. Turn on the damn switch. (laughs) Reminds me of that Marianne Williamson quote, where it's not our darkness that scares us, it's how big our light truly is. (laughs) My personal experience, the bigger that my light gets and I step more into my true essence, my true self, the more my ego, my programming, my conditioning is going to come up to meet it because it's so scared of dying to itself to be more in the light. And that quote just rings in my head all the time of, it's not my darkness that scares me. It's how truly big and full of light that I am. That is what scares the ego. We are fully in alignment with that. I had that in my notes today and I knew somehow that would come to light. So Mm -hmm. we're connected on that. And I thank you again for that, Megan. That brings us back to that point. Why sow the seeds of divide and dissension? Mm -hmm. It's that voice dialogue. Mm -hmm that critic inside of us. Mm. I find it curious how even further this programming, we identify as shadow work. We start to kind of subconsciously taking that even deeper, develop this further empowering notion of being in the dark, being without notice of Mm. it. Why divide that meaning into light and dark? Why divide that meaning into work? We kind of perpetuate 
some of these alignments in a lot of ways from my perspective. How do you feel about that? Yeah. So I even, if I was understanding you correctly, even in my shadow alchemy, I talk a lot about polarity. Yes. And polarity states that one thing is always two things just on different ends of the spectrum. And that's even with light and dark. They're on the same side of the spectrum, almost in a sense, light and dark are the exact same thing. It's just a mental judgment we create in our mind of there is such a thing as light and there is such a thing as dark. But to honor both aspects, and now we're on the mental plane right now with polarity, even just judging something and calling something light and dark, that isn't even really truth in and of itself. But we can play with this just because of the language that it does create and the understanding that it does create. But allowing both light and dark to be there together is so powerful. And I, I think what I've been seeing in a lot with spirituality when I first was getting into spirituality is like focusing on the positive and not on the darkness. Because if we create our reality, then we want to create more positive. But when we don't just look at the unconscious aspects of ourselves in the world, we actually do aid in the unconscious creation of things unwanted in our life and in the world. And so adding in both of these on the spectrum is just really powerful of not forgetting that light and dark are the same thing. Mm. We just have, we have to look at them both with loving awareness. I don't know if that was like answering your question or like where you. Yes. Yes. That is to me in step alignment. We at our core are a positive and negative, what we've deemed a positive and negative down to our very fiber. Mm -hmm. Protons, neutrons, electrons are all those energies, all those identities, all of those things swirling around that create our wholeness Mm -hmm. our path should be bringing all those parts together in that oneness and unity you spoke of Mm -hmm. what if it becomes you know i'm going to quote this and this is directly from you right what if it becomes the monster that's inside of me who has all the power because she's kept me so small why don't I use her to break free? Did I just recently read that in uh, 303 Magazine, correct? hmm Yes. Let's talk about that. Let's look at that. Share a little bit with us about that thought and where you were coming from with that. Yeah. So alchemy, when I say that I'm doing shadow alchemy or alchemist, I have the word alchemist tattooed on my left wrist because an alchemist back in the day to take metal and then turn it into gold. So with myself, I was like, well, how can I take my perceived metal and then turn it into my gold? That's going to be my work. And so if we're talking about polarity again of light and dark, they're on just different ends of the spectrum. How can I go to the very thing that's unwanted and bring love and change my perspective to it? So let's just say this inner monster that at one point I wanted her gone. Get out of here. Like you're ruining my life. You're keeping me small. But when we take the perspective of alchemy, well, how can I go to the very thing that I say is unwanted, change my relationship to that inner monster, and then use it as my fuel to get to the thing that is wanted on the other end of the spectrum. And so that's what a lot of my work is doing is somebody says that there's a a mental narrative in their head that's not wanted. Well, how can we change our relationship to this? Mm -hmm. How can we illuminate this? How can we turn it into our power, our vulnerability? And I think that's so much of my work is like this world loves to honor the masculine mind, the logic, the mental thinking, which is amazing, but we don't honor the vulnerability and the softness and, you know, the intuition and the creativity. And that is what a lot of my work is doing is making women feel safe enough of like, let me share my story because your vulnerability is your power. 
And so how can we change the relationship that vulnerability isn't weakness anymore and that we can turn that into our power? And so that's what a lot of my work is doing is helping women realize that, no, we don't want to get rid of these narratives. We want to illuminate them, tell your story, create art, dance with them, write with them, create with them, sing with them, and they turn it into their power. And it's so beautiful to use this work of alchemizing the dark into the light, not because we're getting rid of the dark, but because we're going to the dark with love and with power. And how can I transform you? And that is what the crux of my work is. That empowerment to me is everything. Empowerment is that lack of that monster we so often create called struggle. Mm -hmm. We create all of the damn struggle. Mm -hmm. We each individually choose to what we relate to, what we call it. Free from the needs of control, that's empowerment. Letting go of that which is not aligned. Mm -hmm. In oneness, to me, that's liberating. Mm -hmm. It's, that's liberating. Sorry. No, you're fine. I love these pauses. You have just such amazing pauses. Yeah, I sit with things, you know. That's where those spaces come from. You talked about the spaces. Mm-hmm. If we don't grow comfortable with that space, what are we doing with it? We're struggling with it. That space is that voice in us. That space is where that connection creates. Mm. The space is where... The things come up within us. And I think for a while, I didn't like spaces. I didn't like pauses because then with pauses, that meant that all my stuff was going to come up. And I was like, well, I don't want to sit with that and be with that. But I love just how your cadence and that you speak is just, it's, it's, I can tell that you're sitting with things and you're processing them. And it's such a cool thing to witness with the cadence of how you speak. But a lot of times, like with these parts, I love that you said, control, letting go of control. And if we're just going to talk about masculine and feminine energies real quick here is that the feminine energy, which is the feminine energy is within every being, whether you're man or woman, whatever your gendered body is. And the feminine is surrender. And that is what a lot of my work is. I used to control parts of myself. Oh, you can't be here. I had eating disorders for a while Mm. because I'm just trying to control my, even my food intake to my body controlling everything and it's how can I just surrender that control and be with what is and when we surrender to that then we find the alignment and the flow and the balance of it all because we're surrendering to it it's that surrender to that space Mm -hmm. that becomes so key it's not there if you don't create it the choice is fully yours what are you calling awareness to now what frequency are you giving the voice to That's what makes all of the difference. You know, I like looking at that notion of transmuting. Transmuting something. In its very name, conjures to me an irony, a very unique irony. But to transmute, by definition, is change in form, nature, or substance. Yet within that very name exists the conundrum of identity. And I'm beginning to call an identity to that. Trans at its root is to change, followed by the word mute. Mm. Mute to quiet. We're not quieting the things that matter, but we're quieting the space so we can find the things that matter Mm. and empower them. How do we frame that from your perspective in a way that aligns with oneness? Mm. I love that you just broke that word down because from my perspective, Energy is just energy. 
Like literally energy is just energy. <laughs> and when we're younger, we're so in flow as children that we're in flow with just the ups, the downs, the waves, the everything, the happy, the sad, but we're not judging it as happy or sad. We're just in experience moving with that. And it isn't until we're judged or judgment comes of a way that we're just being naturally. And all of a sudden now a judgment comes of, oh, this isn't how I'm supposed to be acting. So let me, you know, fragment this part of myself and shove it away because this is not accepted or loved. And then that creates this illusion of darkness or illusion of, you know, oh, that part of me is not accepted. And so with transmutation is that, Energy is just energy. And if I'm judging something as bad, then I'm going to create the illusion of badness. But in its form, it's just energy. And until the thinking mind comes and judges it and makes it so, whether that's good or bad, now I create the relationship with it as good or bad. So it's with the whole work of it is how can I take the thing that's bad and that I'm judging as bad, but see that it's energy? Where's the, the distortion in this? What if it's all just pure? It's all, it's all God. It's all light. And how can I change my judgment or my relationship to it to align it back to unity, to align it back to oneness? And so when you just see that the thinking mind is the only thing that's creating separation, it's just such this beautiful freeing thing of I'm just looking at this in a way that is creating separation. How can I change and look at this from a new way to bring it back into alignment, to oneness, to unity? And the whole thing changes. It's becoming quiet within. Mm-hmm. Mindfulness and being aware. Not by silencing our awareness and not by silencing our truth. Mm-hmm. So often that becomes that static in our brains, that frequency you spoke of. That's wild to think about, you know? And so often, those voices are our own voice telling us these bullshit mistruths. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to call them today. <laughs> I'm going to call them today. We look at that where the wild things are again, you know? And that was made into the great Spike Jones movie, <laughs> Where the Wild Things Are. Looking at that further, I, I dug that up today, and there's a great kind of inspirational, motivational quote woven throughout the trailer of that Spike Jones movie. I had to go find that on YouTube today. Inside all of us is fear, if we let it. Inside all of us is adventure, and I'm adding, if we let it. But inside all of us is also the wild thing that leads us to that adventure. How much of that do we allow to self-perpetuate? How much is self-limiting do you feel from your perspective? Mm. And I love saying it in this way too. I love what you just said. It's to the degree in which we're identified with the fear or identified with these voices in our head. If we're identified with them, somebody could listen to this podcast. Maybe not. Maybe they wouldn't be attracted to this podcast, but be like, what voice is in the head? And I'm like, oh, you just think that you, you don't even hear them. There's no awareness. You're completely identified with them. But the moment that there's, an awakening, an awareness now, you want to keep identifying more with the awareness, the space, like you keep saying, like the space in between. I want to keep identifying more and more with the space. And when something arises, fear arises, my unworthiness arises, my even my wild one arises. How much do I want to identify with these parts of myself? Mm. And that's when we start to disidentify with parts of ourselves that aren't 
aiding in our growth. And then when we want to play like the wild one, like, okay, I want to step into that more. I want to play. I want to create more adventure. Mm. And then we become more of like the CEO of our life and not being run by these programs or narratives that we rest more in the seat of our awareness and the space and just seeing what arises in that moment Mm. and what do I want to identify or not identify with. We look at our brain and it's very much like that supercomputer that does it all. We think with our brain. We mm-hmm. perceive and feel a lot of times from our heart, but ultimately it's our brain that processes and makes sense of that. We sense everything ultimately within those thoughts in our head, within our brain. Everything outside of that is peripheral. You know, we look at all of those things we plug in just like our computers. They're just receiving devices. They're just the probe or the sensor or the reactionary thing that picks up the signal. Ultimately, how we think and feel, Mm -hmm. we have to decide how we're going to process from that. And a lot of times, a lot of us have, and I'll just speak again from personal experience. um, At one point in my life, I experienced a lot of shame and it was too much to feel in my body Mm -hmm. and my consciousness unknowingly, I didn't know unconsciously, I didn't know at the time, left my body and went to my head. And I just was living in my head completely and completely disidentified with being in the body. And I love that you brought in like the heart space because we, if we live in our head all the time and with our brain, like we're going to live in the land of logic all the time. And really how we feel and connect with one another is through our heart space. But getting back into our body can be a, a, painful process a little bit and just I'll speak again from my personal experience because I have to process and feel all of those things that I didn't feel which was the reason why I left my body in the first place and coming back home to my heart and to my body to process some of these because it isn't like our our thoughts don't create our reality our energetic attachment to those thoughts are the things that create our reality. And so when we come back home to the body, it's like, okay, I just have this thought and it's running a program. What does that feel in my body? Am I still resonating with that thought from an energetic level? And how can I process and move through that so that I can release my attachment, my energetic attachment to those narratives? We have to just simply love ourselves. You've taken this project on where you're sending love letters to others. Let's first hear a little bit about that project and then relay that back to how we can start to write those love letters to ourselves. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that started, the love letters started because I was like, how do I impact this world? I I think of like, the collective as like this beautiful lake of consciousness and whatever I throw out into the lake and I throw a rock out and it kerplunks and the ripple goes out. And then that usually is what comes back too. But I was like, how can I kerplunk love into this ripple of consciousness? How can I put that out into this world? And love letters was the first thing that came because it was like, well, I can buy cheap Sasquatch cards on Amazon. I can do that and I can just send it to people. And so I started doing that and it was this beautiful experience. And it wasn't until a woman reached out who had cancer and she was like, you have no idea. I didn't know she had cancer. After I wrote her letter, she reached back out and she's like, you have no idea how much that small gesture changed my life. And that's when I was like, oh my God, 
thank you for saying that. Like, I didn't know if this was doing anything, if people were really receiving that and they were, and I actually haven't done it in a while. And it's something that I would love to do for myself, but I love that you also said, how can we do that to ourselves too? And a lot of my girls, actually, I have them write love letters to themselves, aspects of themselves that they thought they needed to get rid of, or they had shame around that part. And it wasn't until, like I said earlier, that I had eating disorders for a while, like my binge eating disorder, I hated that part of myself. I wanted her gone. But then when I realized that she was there to protect me and she was trying the only way that she knew how, well, then I wanted to love her. So I started writing letters to my binge eater and saying, I love you. And I see that you're trying to keep me safe because you're so scared. You're so scared. And I want to be here with you and I love you. And that's when the relationship starts to change is when we infuse love into ourself and out there as much as possible. I love that whole aspect of that's where that notion of self-love comes from. Sometimes it's that one little thing that makes us feel loved. It's the journey of a thousand miles. One step is all that is needed to create the meaning. There's such a beauty and truth in small, but we underplay that. We always look for bigger, better, more. There is such truth in small. A small spark lights a candle and it brightens our light, brings light to us. We don't have to blaze with a flamethrower to illuminate the room. That's overkill, right? Mm -hmm. That's overkill. Just embrace that small light and that light starts another light that lights another fire that lights another fire and let those Fires become that big flamethrower that shines so bright. Mm -hmm. I really like that. And just seeing like these parts, I love that you said these quote, small parts of ourselves, but in like sitting with them, loving them, like you actually Mm -hmm. see that it's your greatest power. The parts, my shame, I thought that I had to get rid of my shame before I showed up on Instagram or I showed up and wanting to be a coach. But I'm realizing that my shame is my biggest power because the more love that I infuse with my shame and the more safe space I create within myself, I then have a safe space for other people. Mm. Jeff, I can't even tell you how many people, how many Uber drivers or people I in checkout lines that tell me things that they haven't even told their family members or their spouse because they're like, I just feel so safe with you. I don't know why. But in my mind, I'm like, oh, I know why. I've sat with myself so much so that there is no judgment or criticism in my field right now. And you're picking up on that. And it's such a beautiful thing mm-hmm. is when we look at aspects of ourselves that we think we don't want, but realizing they're our biggest power. That power lies within us all. You know, so often we look for that feedback loop that nourishes us, whether it be from ourselves, whether it's just that simple act of having another see and acknowledge you. We search for that spark. It can become so external sometimes. It can become so external. But can we also be that voice inside ourselves anytime at will? You know, we can call that into being simply by turning on the tap. It's that universal energy. Mm-hmm. It's that great alignment with I am. Because anything we place after I am, we have the power and we give the energy to become. How do we fill that space and how do we discover that space becomes the bigger question or becomes just the question. There I go. You know, we fall into some of those generational patternings and I just did that in my own action. It's just the space. 
to become and be mm. all that I am and all that I want to be. I love that you said the I am because that's what I call it, the I am presence. It's just that nothingness, that stillness, that space. Mm. That is what we really are, the consciousness. Mm. And then everything that arises in that, this is the human experience. And then to the degree in which I've fallen asleep that I, I forget that I, I'm not the I am presence. I am this whatever's arising in the space. But the more that we can shift back into that presence, shift back into that space, that's where our power lies. That's what I personally and what I teach the women in my groups of that's what we want to identify with is the I am presence because that is who we truly are. You know, we go back to that quote again, our darkness and our smallness aren't what scare us. It's how bright and big we are. It's how bright and big we can be. How bright and big am I starts with I am. It's a beautiful exploration of just when you have an awakening or just realize that you are not the narratives, you are not your ego, you are not your personality, you are not your thoughts and to rest in the space behind it. And then sometimes to experience the bigness of that can be very, very life-changing because you just, when it's a visceral feeling in your body of sitting with that, it's a beautiful, intense feeling and it's just a beautiful journey in that. And so I, I just, I keep I'm loving that you just keep bringing up the I am presence because not a lot of people speak to that from that mm. level of consciousness, which is really beautiful. I am so grateful for that. I am so grateful for that. That brings me around today to this notion. And again, we're going to fall back on another quote, a great quote by William Arthur Ward. Happiness is an inside job. Don't assign that job to anyone else. Don't assign that much power to anyone else. It starts by letting the light inside of you shine. Mm. This has been such a great conversation today. I feel like we have been so attuned and so aligned. I look forward to being able to do this again soon. Let's schedule some more time to talk. Yeah, this has been, this has just been really wonderful to talk. And then just in this space, it just feels very, very peaceful. So I'm so grateful to have this conversation with you. Yes. Thanks for sharing your light with all of us today. I am especially grateful for that. Where can we go to share more of your light? Find out more about your current programs and where the chronicles of the Sasquatch are leading. Yeah, I think just the best place is Instagram. I'm working on my website and everything right now, but Chronicles of a Sasquatch, and how you mentioned before, it's S-A-S-S-Q-U-A-T-C-H, two S's because she's sassy. She's sassy. That's where all the fun and that's where all the party's at. So I would say Instagram is the best place to connect with me. Go out and connect with Megan. Go out and reach out to this community. I see such light in it. You know, we can create fear by just deciding to be afraid. You know, we can be afraid of the smallness. We can be afraid of the largeness and the enormousness. Or we can decide, like the Sasquatch, to dance and be joy. Just like you have, Megan. Small and large is of no consequence. It's the joy that matters. The joy that has meaning. The joy that has purpose. Thank you for sharing that joy with us today. Mm, thank you for having me this was so fun i look forward to chatting again yeah me too we'll definitely do that thank you
We are each at the center of our own existential drama, torn between two fundamental and opposing forces wrestling within us for control. The point where the two meet becomes the point where the light enters. Warner Earnhardt shared this great quote, Create your future from your future, not your past. What are you allowing to hold you back from your past, either consciously or subconsciously? What we think we become. Are you hiding in the shadows of your past or choosing to step into the light, empowering you to dance into the fullness of your being? Living is not the story of your life. Living is the process of experiencing right now. So often we search for that feedback loop that nourishes us. We search for that spark. It can be so external, but we can also find that voice inside anytime, at will. We can call it into being simply by turning on the tap. It's universal energy. It's that great alignment with I am. Our darkness and our smallness aren't what scare us. It's how bright and big we are. We create fear just by deciding to be afraid. We can be afraid of the smallness, or we can be afraid of the largeness and the enormousness. Or we can decide just to dance, to be joy. Now, Megan and I have covered a lot of ground today, but we want to know, what masks are you wearing that keep you hiding in the shadows of your soul? How have you discovered new meaning and truth in today's show? Drop us a line, leave us a review, or share us with your friends on social media, tagging us at The Light Inside, letting everyone know how you are aligning with your inner light.